Hello, Buzz Nation. Today, we are stepping through Ben Franklin, and as always, joined by Slavo. Slavo, how we doing? Doing good, Buzz. <laughs> all right, all right. And uh, we have a special guest on, Eints. How you doing? <laughs> doing great, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ben Franklin, before we start, we step through the life. What uh, did you guys know of Ben Franklin before doing the research? I think the number one thing is that I definitely conflate Ben Franklin with Thomas Edison quite a bit. Like mm. electricity, kite, what, who, this, light bulb. I thought this stuff was all Edison. And then Ben Franklin kind of sneaks in there um also heard he was a big woman womanizer guy i knew that and founding father so those are my things mm -hmm. yeah i i feel like the womanizer thing is like is that revisionist history who knows we'll get into <laughs> it but i feel like there's something uh it's something great i feel like that got discovered but no i definitely agree with the edison thing like both uh, weird scientists, inventor people uh, that like pioneered everyday things that you encounter now. Um, yeah, I had to do a quick search if he was a founding father also. Just double checking, checking the, on the check. Uh, the womanizer thing too, the more I think about it, I imagined him as a womanizer, like while they were doing the founding father stuff, I imagined him in France, just like, romping around france that's that's how i remembered it so. yeah it, and the womanizer aspect i feel like early on in education like second grade history you learned about the kite and the electricity i feel like the womanizer was like back of the school bus fifth grade they're like oh did you know he also had a bunch of affairs it's true no but, absolutely that's like that's great rumor mill uh little kid behavior big uh common law marriage guy in the fifth grade <laughs> did you know what a common law marriage was i feel like i no absolutely not yeah. you may be well maybe not you pass but eans you may be in a common law marriage and you don't even know it whoa fucking law right there drop that drop that bomb on you yeah you get those uh health benefits tax benefits Oh, so it's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, big time positive. Yeah. Come on, marriage. Uh, I guess it depends who you're asking. Um, all right. So let's 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 go through it. Born in Boston, 1706, uh, and to a Puritan family. And when we think Puritans, we think Salem, witch trials. Just the setting the context of what this, you know, we've already mentioned womanizer, where he comes from. It's a religious Puritan family, and they think he is going to be a priest. Big time priest vibes. One thing about he was born on Milk Street. I actually, hmm. when I lived in Boston, I worked on Milk Street um, back in the day. And uh, I had no clue. There was, there were, at least to my knowledge, there were no artifacts that pointed it out but maybe i just missed them hmm. does, yeah there's you, also you, milk street 
in Portland too. Um, like, I don't know why anyone would name a street after milk. So there must be something else behind that. There's no like cheese street, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it seems a little weird. It seems a little suspect. Um, meet me down. Meet me down on Sour Cream Avenue. <clears throat> and so uh, he wasn't very religious, you know. He didn't buy into this whole. If you throw a witch into the water, they sink. Then they were real, but they sadly die. If they float, they are a witch. I think that's how the the whole witch trials went. Anyway, what he did love to do was read, and so he. When he had to choose his apprenticeship, he chose to go into the printing business, which was a new media at the time. Uh, his family kind of wanted him to go into priesthood, but he didn't really want to, and that was expensive because he was the eight of number eight of ten siblings. And he apprenticed under his brother James uh, for the printing business. And again, th this is pretty new at the time. And there's not a lot of printing businesses, but during this time, he's learning his media skills and he has a pen name, which is Silence Do Good. And did I say that right? Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, I've, I've heard also people pronounce it Dogwood. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think you had it right. I, yeah, yeah. I, I read it as Silence Do Good. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a good guy. Sounds like he's just trying to do good. But it was a he was it was a fictional widow who had a lot of sass. And apparently when Ben Franklin chose his pen name, that's the angle he goes to. And Silence Do Good, a.k.a. a young a young Ben Franklin. He was very concerned with how women would were treated. Yeah. It, and so his silence do good writings he would slip them under doors anonymously at night and like they were the buzz of the town people were in boston very curious who this silence do good was have you did you guys watch bridgerton at all yes i was actually just thinking about this and what were you what were you thinking I was thinking about the fact that in Bridgerton, they have a person who has a pen name and they basically talk about gossip on the in the town. And uh, it reminded me quite a bit about Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, in Bridgerton, uh, her pen name was Lady Whistledown, I, I believe. And like yep. they would also hand out the letters about all the town gossip anonymously, secretly at night. Yeah, and very sassy, like slipping under the door. Similar vibes. Benjamin Franklin basically wrote Bridgerton. Yeah, no, I, I think the the men in the eligible bachelors in Boston were very smitten uh, by Miss Miss Duguid. Um, <laughs> I think she had a lot of uh, marriage proposals, actually. Really? Yeah. Imagine, imagine if you proposed to Silence Duguid. And then all, all of a sudden you go, you go to the church and you just can't wait to meet her. And then you're like, what the hell is Benjamin Franklin doing here? <laughs> just sauntering around the place. Can't so this separate is the art from the artist. <laughs> That's commit. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so this is the old school catfish then is what, is what I'm hearing. Yes. Like they, uh, and also this is wild to think in our days you have TikTok stars and social media influencers. Ben Franklin is a media influencer. They have the new media of like the printing press. And here he is creating a pen name and, um, you know, making a name for himself, getting a little, uh, a little famous. Yeah. Do do you both think that the idea that Benjamin Franklin was very new, like he used media to create kind of a name for himself? Do you think that makes him better or worse in your mind for how you view him as a historical figure? Or I think a lot better. Like he really was into like social engineering, which is like what people do. There's so much human interaction. You can see, you can travel so far and meet people from across the world and like uh, see how they behave and stuff and like see how you're um, accepted and stuff. So I don't know. I feel like he uh, was ahead of his time in terms of like social engineering. An interaction maybe some manipulation but that's okay yeah i i think it's a it's a plus in my mind of him because he's a real self-made you know he started with zero followers started put pushing out these uh printing press papers and eventually he grows to a big name so in my mind you know he's a he's a self-made man mm. also this is i guess a little bit of a side note isn't it preposterous how much he traveled for the time period that he lived in. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. He's jet setting. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it more as we do the timeline. But like, again, it was like he was in a time where you couldn't really do media that well. And he basically mm -hmm. just like pushed it. And then also at the same time, he was traveling the world essentially, where it was like, well, if you want to travel the world, you're going to have to get on a boat. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and jumping ahead to that point where, like, jumping way ahead, when the Revolutionary War activities start happening and he's in England, like, they happen, and then it takes, like, two months to ship a letter across the ocean. And then England finds out that, like, oh, shit, you know, people are rioting and um, just a different time. It's yeah. the ultimate it's lag. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's some serious live? lag. Like, oh, wait, what was that? Re <laughs> All right, we're going to find out in two months what they were saying. I think they were New saying, uh, remind me in <laughs> two years to yeah. raise taxes. Imagine being like the messenger and you get across and you're like, shit, I forgot the envelope. <laughs> okay, this is going to be a really stupid question. But do you know how in all the movies they just have like a raven or whatever? Yeah. So the uh, presumably the raven can't make it from America to England. But do you think they have a raven on the boat that once they get within range, they then raven it? Oh, it's like the extendo clip. Maybe so. You don't have to waste time docking up. And you don't have to be the messenger, you know? <laughs> you don't have to get killed. Um... <laughs> you never know. Wow. That... I don't know if they did this, but uh, it sounds they could certainly use you in those times for that uh, cutting edge thinking.
you know, we're just we're just doing the best we can. Okay, so in the name of pen names, silence do good. Do we want to take this moment to come up with some pen names for each other? <laughs> a, a little uh, little segmente. It sounds yeah, good. Uh, do you want to start us off? As it so happens, I do have some uh, pen names for both of you. So I'll, I'll go through and do. I have two pen names for each of us, and I'll I'll start out with I'll start out with our guest, Eats. Your first pen name, and you can kind of associate what your personality is going to be based on this, but your first pen name is Sylvester Hemsley. Oh, classy. Oh. How does that feel? Um, it feels pretty good. Um, Sylvester is kind of, I don't know if it fits my vibe exactly, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> like, it's kind of like a macho Italian um so that's basically me so um no i think i think it's great what i came up for for myself what i would go by um would be this you would see it everywhere edgar whisperton <laughs> um, I like that i'm a little soft-spoken at times people may say that i mumble whatever i think it's just because of uh the tone of my voice it's just very uh it fits in with the rest of the noise um you know that's happening in the world it just kind of blends in but um yeah i like a first initial being e so i landed on edgar you know very 1700s name um yeah edgar is a nice name paz do you have anything for eats i i have another one for him so if you if you don't that's fine um let me uh all right all right uh so i'll i'll Piggyback off the name he suggested with a little twist. I, I know Eans likes to fish a little bit, so I'll go small mouth whisperton. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, that's small good. mouth. Yeah. I feel like that would start some rumors in the uh, in the pen name world. Yeah, who's asking? What's it to you? <laughs> yeah, does that like small mouth whisperton is like really like. <laughs> at that point is he whispering because of his small mouth like can he not speak loud because he can't, because he can't get it out or is this person just a mouse actually <laughs> or fish literal mouse <laughs> literal mouse fish okay i'll uh i'll throw a couple back here um dan i thought of one that i think would be fitting to you um i think you'll really like it it is thunderous Busybody, <laughs> thunderous busybody. Yeah, you know sometimes you exclaim and it's it's great and uh, <laughs> I do have definitely socialite. So yeah, busybody. Yeah, this is it's hitting the the nail on the head. <laughs> thunderous busybody hits the nail on the head. Uh, the first name I came up with for myself was Goose Jones. <laughs> Ooh, love that. I just like the name Goose Jones for no reason whatsoever. I, I I'll, for mine, uh, the names that I came up with, it's literally like I just think of the person and come up with a name that I think fits. I don't have any reasoning behind them. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
one name I was just thinking would be interesting, a little a character per se, to whomever, but the name would be Foghorn Folly. And the character, I think Foghorn, like very loud and brash, would be the writing style. And then Folly is like, it can just kind of be whatever, just like like low expectations for facts, but just like large opinions. <laughs> I think that would be a fun way to uh, write some pamphlets. A little That's pretty warm, chaotic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, I got one for Paz. I had I I pegged you as a a devious slewfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I really do like the word slewfoot. So yeah. I, I could have some fun with that pet name. Devious Slewfoot, who just says horrible things about everybody. <laughs> but yeah, most specifically, it says horrible things about like your closest friends. <laughs> you know, that's how I imagine that going. Paz just so gets all down, of his inner, takes down the group from the circle. Yeah. <laughs> he gets his inner demons out. <laughs> Wake up Sunday morning, say all the horrible things <laughs> about <laughs> about the inner circle, and then and then go about your business. Uh, any other names? Um, yeah, Paz. I came up with another one for you. Wallace Dogtown. Oh, I like that. And then Eans, one that I really liked for you, Chucky Mims. Oh, I feel like it's just such a high energy name. And then the last one that I came up from myself, and this was the one that when I was at the happy hour before the recording of this podcast, Buzz and Biographies, I said it to somebody and they did not seem to like it, which maybe has the desired effect. I will be known as Skin Kinder. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that name. <laughs> Is that like one of the ones you like put together and it makes something and I'm just like not seeing it? I like it though. You both hated it. You both hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I got the same reaction for the both of you that I got at this happy hour. Um, if I, I if I could put video on a podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. You your your face is like uh, I might cry. Well, I I, I kind of like eats. I was like, there's something I'm, I'm not getting where I'm like, I was combining the, the name, the words. And I'm like, I know I'm missing something. No, the name right. is just skin kinder. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, what's in a name as Shakespeare said, I think once you start writing and you put the personality to the name, that's what truly makes the name. Also in this happy hour, how'd you bring this up? Were you just like, Hey, I'm skin kinder. <laughs> <laughs> nice I was like, you. listen to this cool name I came up for myself, Skin Kinder. And then I'm pretty sure that person was like, be right back, putting you on an FBI watch list. So that's how it went, which is not too far off from how it's going this time. Maybe I need to drop the name, but I really like it. So no, dude, stick, stick to your guns. Have um, you ever heard of somebody named Skin before? No, I'm just like trying to figure out where, <laughs> how you landed on Skin. <laughs> Because it's outrageous. It's like, uh, like imagine you're at a bar and you're like, "Hey, meet my friend. His name's Skin." 
see, I'm definitely afraid of skinned. But then you hear he's how kind he is. Yeah, the kind though that that's a family name though. It has nothing to do with uh, his actual behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. Uh, yeah, and I walk around. My name's Skin Kinder, but I've been trying to change my last name to uh, Fire Rocket, but can't. <laughs> they won't accept it. Oh, but yeah, so that yeah, that's where that's where I landed on the name. Okay, and so silence do good. The pen name. This sassy woman is making a big deal, and James, Ben Franklin's brother, finds out it was Ben, and he was not too happy. Overall, don't think they had the greatest relationship. In fact, I think James was physically abusive, um, and James was in jail. Eventually, Ben Franklin ran away to Philadelphia and uh, is going to make his own there. And so he has these skills as a uh, working with printers and he becomes an apprentice. You know, he's in his uh, mid to late teens. And so at, in that day and time, he's a working man and he becomes an apprentice. They sent him to England on like a business trip. And so from 18 to 20, he gets his first taste of England london specifically he is a city boy and uh, one main takeaway and you know some of the documentaries i saw the books is he sowed his wild oats <clears throat> he, he gets to step away <laughs> he, he steps away from the you know the puritan lifestyle he's abroad he's feeling free and he's having a good time um and he's growing the business and business is thriving but mainly i think his time in london at this age he's just having a good time um can i just ask one question yeah do you say he sowed his wild oats yeah it, that's an expression right did i did i say it correctly oh no i i got it do I need to explain the birds and the bees to you, Slavo? <laughs> I have never heard the phrase, he sowed his wild oats before. <laughs> I thought you were having a stroke. <laughs> Maybe I'm having a stroke. Is that a common phrase? Yeah, I think it's older, but... Oh, yeah, very definitely. Cool. I, you learn something every day on Buzz and Biographies podcast. Definitely our parents' generation. Yeah, what's what's our generation like spreading the seed? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, same type of thing. Uh, I think I think I don't know what people our age call it. I think they just call it hanging out <laughs> or just chilling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Netflix and chilling. <laughs> yeah. Netflix and chilled everywhere. It's an um, idiom. Wow. Yeah. And. Eventually, he goes back to Philly. He's starting to maybe mature where he's his writing suggests he wants to start being frugal and pay off all his debts, yada, yada, yada. And at the ripe old age of 24, he marries Deborah. And um, it it kind of felt like they got along real well. It also, you know kind of felt like a little bit of a political like this was like the right thing to do marriage as opposed to romantic uh 
all that sort of angle, which I'm sure there was that, but I got the impression that he was like, this is the right business choice. It's very utilitarian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he wanted to marry Deborah when he was like 17, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they met when they were younger. Um, I don't know why it didn't happen right away. So supposedly her father was like unimpressed with Ben Franklin because he didn't have a job or something like that. So then she ended up marrying another guy. Oh, right. And then that guy literally took the dowry and moved to Barbados and they never heard from them again. <laughs> and he then was a gold digger. <laughs> yeah. And then do you know the term bigamy? Either uh, no. So bigamy is the term for marrying somebody who is technically still married to somebody else. So this guy went off to Barbados, but they didn't know if he was dead or not. So technically she couldn't get remarried. So it was like this whole thing. Yeah. Wow. That I would certainly say that is a whole thing um first of all how, how do we feel about this guy he takes the dowry so he gets married collects like the money somehow and then just pieces out to barbados i was gonna I mean, say it sounds like a pirate type move and barbados <laughs> is uh you know definitely an island that like uh people would talk about like in the caribbean it seems like he was a pirate that's my first guess yeah, I mean, obviously it's a scummy move. Back in that that time period, like you get the money in your hands, and you you walk around the street corner, and you're never gonna get found. You know, like it's not like they don't have any way to track you. Literally, there's no even photography. It's like you just kind of like, oh, that looks like this person. So he moves to Barbados, grows a beard. I feel like it's a great plot of movie is Ben Franklin going down to Barbados to like hunt and kill this guy so that he can then marry his love. Yeah. He, he married. Ooh, that, that <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. Should we, should we, uh, well, this is copyrighted by buzz and biographies. Yeah. You can't uh, steal this idea, but that's what we do. It's yeah. that it's the hunt. Yeah, played, by he, played by Liam Neeson. And he, he meets this pirate, played by Johnny Depp uh, on the high seas. So do, do, do you think this other gentleman, he had this plan from like the beginning? Did he court her being like, I know your dad has money. I'm going to court you for a little bit, get that money. And I'm going to Barbados and I'm going to be a pirate. B big time, big time. Yeah. I think, I think he definitely was like, yeah, just give me the dowry, and then we're going to... It's all going to be good. On this side of the story, it definitely seems premeditated. Yeah. Yeah, we're also Wild. looking at it from Ben Franklin's perspective, you know? Yeah, you got to get both. So, <laughs> where is his side of the story? <laughs> How did he feel in the relationship? We need to reach out. <laughs> he could not be reached for comment. <laughs> we will follow up with a quote. Yeah, we, it's the classic, like, we reached out for a comment and did not hear back. So, yeah. yeah. And, I, I mean, it, it worked out for Ben Franklin because he got to be with 
the woman I guess he wanted to be with. Um, in one of his writings, he talked about how plain she looked, but and he was like, he was like, she had a lot of flaws, but so do I. You get used to them. I, I don't know. I just I wasn't getting many romantic vibes. Well, a real a real lovebird poem there. <laughs> in Pennsylvania, Ben Franklin realizes he wants to start his own printing business. He thinks he has the skill set and the ambition. Um, and so he buys and expands the Pennsylvania Gazette, and it becomes the biggest printing paper in colonies. So very widespread, big success. And uh, he prints political cartoons, which I think some people said was the first instance of political cartoons. And also in this time, he is, again, we were talking about the social engineering. He helps organize this junto group of young men. And there are a lot of other businessmen, ambitious young men. And they would meet Fridays at a pub and they would talk about things like, hey, do you know any rich people? How did they get their money? Do you know anyone in the area we should like applaud for their good duties? It it was uh I would say, yeah, very like intentional about growing their money and kind of like status and um just a group of people. I, I, I don't know. How, how would you guys define this club? Uh, well, first, um, about the cartoons, I think it was a little generous calling uh, the first cartoon an actual cartoon. If you guys know, if you guys are familiar, it's the um, picture of the snake that's chopped up into little pieces representing the colonies. And it's the graphic that says join or die was a uh, characterized as the first cartoon um, in the printing press. So um, yeah, just really galvanizing people to uh, join colonies. Yeah, so I, I'd agree. Uh, as far as a cartoon goes, join or die, you know, not the funniest. It's not Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> no, no, we've, uh, society has really matured in its humor in political cartoons or cartoons. Also, again, on this whole, like, he is an influencer. He, he basically, if we were to draw a metaphor to today's time, he created the first meme. <laughs> yes. He created the first meme. That's actually pretty funny because what I was imagining, this uh, Junto or Yunto, was, it's, it basically sounds like uh, old world LinkedIn. <laughs> I, that, that is definitely a good analogy this is like yeah i i definitely see that it's people getting together professionally like this isn't uh, they're friends but i wouldn't say that's their main focus that's that's a good uh analogy yeah, yeah i'm imagining it like the birds and uh fighting emo being like my 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 like oh wealthy person wealthy person blah 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 <laughs> like let's talk to this person mm -mm -mm. Yeah, I'm sure it's very easy to spot and like attract the other people that are cut from the same cloth. You know, maybe listen to how they talk. Yes, flourish the pinky. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, they're definitely trying to network. Maybe uh, take advantage of each other. Um, I just feel like times were very shysty 
Um, mm. But yeah, no, it, it was definitely seemed professional versus something that's a more casual. Um, there's definitely more we can talk about in terms of Ben Franklin just being a guy's guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he was definitely well-liked. And obviously, if he is at the center of all the, uh, you know, these writing these letters that people like a lot and just being able to gather this group of people together for the junto meetings and, and, and you know maybe i'm being a little cynical here uh and, and saying you know they're just getting together talking about money because they also did some good stuff and they suggested that they should have like a group of people to f fight fires and <clears throat> he gets kind of credited with creating this initial like basically a volunteer firefighting organization and they want to pool together their resources to buy books, which again, at the time it, it's a novelty. It's, you know, it's not cheap as it is today. So they would all buy books and share and this kind of formed um, the library company. Yeah. I, 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 at this point, was he already in the Freemasons? So there could be some overlap and ideology here where it's like, Hey, we're like-minded people. Yeah, yeah. I I know he was involved in the Freemasons. I don't know at what point the time period it is, but I, I do bet there would be some overlap when mm. it especially for around the same time period between the Hunt the Junto and the the Freemasons. We're, we're yeah, we're like minded people. We want to succeed. We're sowing our wild oats. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, just... can you expand on that a little bit more? But no, that yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of similarities. Well, it's like kind of like that idea of like a fraternal organization where you're supporting each other, like being like, oh, if we collectively work together, we can help push each other up more than if we're all just kind of succeeding on our own kind of thing. And Where yeah. I'm and once you're already friendly with someone and you're, you're like, ooh, they seem like minded. I have this other group that uh, we want to, you know, control the political scope of, and uh, we'll call it the Freemasons. This interests you? Yeah. Yeah. Easy, easy crossover. But no, I mean, we're definitely, uh, definitely not a lack of good ideas. Firefighters, I mean, a library. But again, what firefighters, at what point did they, get to the idea of like we need a group like there are fires everywhere <laughs> we gotta do something about this guys how many fires our library keeps burning down yeah <laughs> we need we need us <laughs> and we're getting so good at putting out the fire that we we're need spilling to be the gunpowder from our muskets everywhere <laughs> oh boy um yeah and, and so his next big thing, and this is what I think a lot of people claim really escalated him up a notch. I guess his fame and honestly financial success, it's all kind of like on this exponential curve, but this had a big jump. It was the Poor Richard's Almanac. Again, another pen name by Ben Franklin, Poor Richard. And it was supposed to be a very approachable almanac for the common folk. Hence the name, Poor Richards. And 
and especially in this day and time, a lot a lot of people barely had the capacity to read, let alone afford big books. So this was supposed to be a very accessible thing to read for these common folks. And people loved it. It was like I think it was um sold, you know, the second most sales to the Bible in its time, very successful. And what one famous quote is a penny saved is a penny earned. That quote comes from poor Richard's almanac. And you can kind of get the feel of how it, it's a real, uh, the common man's almanac. There's something sweet about when you learn the origin of a saying that people like the, the whole um, like, Ooh, a dollar saved is a dollar earned, which is, a derivation of a penny save is a penny earned, which is a derivation of what was written in that book. I think it's just very interesting when the, those things, when you find out the origin of those kind of things. Yeah. It's always fun to be like, Oh yeah, I know that. That's cool. I see what why you're a big deal. What I thought you were going to say is um, like, you realized where, you know, talking about where something came from. I thought you were going to say poor Richard's, now you realize like that was the bar in the office that they would always go to. And you're oh. like, oh, so it came from here. I was thinking more <laughs> pop culture. You were yeah, going more with the, you know, something that's a little a bit good, deeper, but. That's a good point. And that's like, you know, that's Scranton. They're in the Pennsylvania colony, now a state. Um, right. I, I did not pick up on the poor Richards from the office until you said it right now. That's a great name for, for that bar. I know. I never knew why. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, to you guys, what is an almanac? And is there a difference? This is a serious question. <laughs> is there no? Is there a difference between like a regular almanac and a farmer's almanac? So I thought that they were all kind of the same. It's like kind of a collection of like historical, um, almost like natural um, happenings and things, tide charts, like astrology. Um, you know crops so i i don't know the difference or what it is but i have an opinion on it um mm. so here's my opinion i think the almanacs came out and, and maybe Ains, you did the research and you can correct me once i uh, sprout my once i say my probably incorrect opinion i feel like once people start printing stuff they just created this book they called it the almanac and they're like what are things you want to write down? And they're like the weather for the year <laughs> recipes. I have, I have a few good ideas on saving money. And it's just like all this, like hodgepodge, basically lists and short writings that people are like, this is important to everyone that you just want to write down. That's, that's a guess. Yeah. I think from, I just, I just did some Googling being like, that's a great question. What exactly? So the what Google, the Encyclopedia Britannica is, says that an almanac provides data on the rising and setting times of the sun and moon, the phases of the moon, the positions of the planets, schedules of high and low tides, and a register of a word that I don't know how to say, <laughs> festivals and saints' days. So it's basically like a... Um, 
astrological like calendar yeah calendar type thing it's basically like this is what we know about how the earth is gonna behave next year kind of thing which is kind of interesting i guess now we just have weather.com you know right no i think to your point johnny like it probably was also especially in like the poor richard like sense like he probably did just seem like he threw in a lot of other uh little gems like some street smarts in there with the penny saved as penny earned um yeah. but yeah i think it, it sold like tens of thousands of copies yeah uh, which is pretty huge yeah and to that point again he's like this media mogul hopefully i said that right nailed it <laughs> <laughs> think think mogul. the ski bumps yeah there you go <laughs> Um, where I think like probably typically almanacs were pretty boring and just like very util utilitarian. And then he puts this little fun spin on it, makes it a little more entertaining and, and it sells well potentially. So while we're here talking on pen names yet again, um, well, let's try a quick segment we can uh where we'll name historical figures or figures who if they existed today would make the most use of burner accounts because mm -hmm. you have to assume with all these pen names that ben franklin was using if he existed today his silence do good his farmers his poor richards would be you know twitter burner accounts absolutely um wait first can we talk about i i just had thought of this um the other day ben franklin is kind of a hall of fame two first names guy which i love <laughs> a good two first names guy and it doesn't true. come to mind that for is some true. reason you know uh do you know what they say about people with two first names they don't have one no, i don't know <laughs> Uh, that's better than what I was going to say, but don't they say the saying is like, you can't trust people who have two first names. They do uh, say that. I feel like Ben Franklin for all his great attributes. I don't know if I trust him. You know, he's a little uh, politicky. Tom Brady. Oh, I agree. <laughs> two Matt first Ryan. Names. I feel like it's a lot of sports people. <laughs> or maybe that's just where we, where we pull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. where we pull our like. Uh, uh, my brain goes immediately NFL quarterbacks, and then <laughs> like filter down from there. Yeah, well, it wasn't jumping to uh, you know mathematical scientists. Yeah, he he is a two first name guy, which I mean you don't you don't really think about it that way. No, no, I like yeah, all sorts of. Uh, wise knowledge being dropped today by eats imagine if your name was franklin do you like that as a first name um i would definitely go by frank though but yeah yeah frank frankie franklin you wouldn't go, you wouldn't go by clin <laughs> clinny clin pro clinical <laughs> take him to the clinic <laughs> i feel like if you were a if your name was franklin and you were a harlem globetrotter you could get some pretty sweet nicknames mm. and or catchphrases like what slavin 
Well, that was the one where it was like, take him to the clinic. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Take him to the take him to the skin zone. <laughs> wow, dude, really dug myself out of a hole there. Pass. You like put the I, pincers in me there, huh? <laughs> How about that? Dude, you back me into a corner. You're like, like what? You got a good, you got a good one? <laughs> I was I was just trying to catch up. I I was I was uh my brain speed, I was lagging behind the conversation, and then you were like what we just said. I was like, oh, okay, I see now. I'm caught up. I'm caught up. Nailed it. All right, Johnny, um, who who you got as number one oh burner boy. user, historical uh, figure? Okay, so this isn't number one, but th this is a good one. Uh, Stephen King, famed horror writer from Maine. Did you know he uh, he's written in a few pen names because he wanted to find out if he just got lucky or if it's talent or if he could be successful without you know having the huge brand that is stephen king um and basically it just it quickly got out who who these pen names were like people quickly realized they were him so his his experiment didn't really work so i i feel like stephen king low-key a bit of a burner account guy so do you so stephen king he's not necessarily a historical figure do you think he has burner accounts like on Twitter, he's active on Twitter. So yeah, he's think, very active. Yeah, he's, do you think he has burner accounts? I think he does. I think if you're gonna go to the effort of publishing a book with a burner account and all, like whatever that takes, I I I would say yes. Stephen King actively has Twitter burner accounts. Imagine getting roasted by a burner account and it's fucking Stephen King. They would come <laughs> up with the sickest burns. <laughs> I did not know that he wrote under other names either but that's actually like kind of a good i don't know if it's a good idea but it's interesting because of like it's kind of like a blind taste test thing it's like would you think this is good this like odd twisted horror story like would you think it's good if it's not by stephen king you know just by someone you've never heard of yeah interesting. exactly it's so interesting yeah the pen name is richard bachman a lot of Richards. You got to be suspicious if someone's named Richard. Apparently, there's a lot of pen names. Um, anyone have a historical figure for number two off the board? Um, one that I thought of was Senator Joe McCarthy of McCarthyism fame. I feel mm. like that guy would go big time creating burner accounts, causing up a stir so that it could then accuse people of being communists. So... That's fair. Seems pretty on brand. Um, one that I, the first thing that kind of came to mind was like someone who maybe like went missing and they're trying to like reconnect on social media, but like they can't post from their main account. So I was thinking Amelia Earhart <laughs> <laughs> was one that came to mind. Like she's just checking in, you know, and then just push her nerves. Like she was like, the first woman aviator like who uh who was uh you know flying across the world she's pretty cool guys don't you think um i do i like that as far as the person who went missing my mind immediately went to uh tupac yeah that too I'll like tupac is down in wherever they say tupac is and he's just like 
yeah, like Cuba, and he's just burner accounting, just like roasting Kanye West. <laughs> I know, or it's like if anyone else uh, like faked their own death, but like they're still they still got to keep up online and like push their legacy yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> um, I I have w- I have one more. Do you guys have other ones? Should we snake it back or? I I have two more, but yeah, I got a couple more. Whatever. Yeah, all right, all right, Eans, why don't, why don't you uh, we'll we'll snake the draft back then? All right, um, this one because you know he could just get spicy about it is uh, Charles Darwin. <laughs> 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 you know he would kind of stir some stuff up on Twitter.com. Noted jerk, Charles. Or maybe Darwin. he's more. He, his content might live better, like in the Facebook community, actually, versus Twitter. It's a little bit older. It's a little bit. Uh, uh you know you know how it is yeah the demographic facebook, is different facebook paragraph paragraph block text poster yeah just like complaining about shit that's a good one that, that one caught me off guard um my next one i'm gonna take this before paz has the opportunity to do so um i feel like houdini would be a big burner account guy houdini was just kind of off Harry Houdini was kind of off and he like getting holed up in hotels and stuff like that. I feel like all of his behavior was very conducive to just being in burner accounts. Yeah. He um, like seances are people who claim they could speak to the dead. He was always very suspicious of that and would like, you know, sneak into those and try to prove them wrong. So yeah, he's just, he's mm. up to suspicious stuff. All right. I think, not not burner account but accounts mussolini he would have like a putin army of twitter bots that are just like all hail italy yeah i was thinking uh i was thinking someone here would probably um pick mussolini (laughs) i figured that would be off the board (laughs) at some point um, all right, if I'm going to snake it back, because I, I know you guys have more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, L. Ron Hubbard famously like had, just would nonstop write books. He would be the person to tweet just like every five minutes. Just like the most ridiculous stuff. No one's reacting, but he's just tweeting out like just crazy shit about how he remembers his birth being in his mom's vagina. <laughs> Elron <laughs> Hubbard. Yeah, that's a good one. I feel like, but also part of me feels like Elron Hubbard was so self involved that he would almost like wouldn't even bother with the burner account. He would just be off like <laughs> saying it anyways. Well, that's true too. Um, I have uh, King George the Third of American Re- Revolution fame. He, um, I was imagining. Have Have you? You guys seen the play or movie of the play Hamilton? I've seen the movie. I've seen Hamilton, yeah. So King George the Third is the guy who does like the songs and he's like the sadistic. He just seems very like a guy who would have burners. Yeah, so that's a good word actually for it. That's a good take. Um when you said uh L. Ron Hubbard, I thought of you know, someone who also like has a 
initial like kind of in their name um robert e lee like big loser energy to have a burner account so like i don't know just kind of like try and push his narrative a little bit more like in reconstruction and he's just being like oh yeah he's like you know actually like if if we if the ball bounced our way a couple more times like <laughs> we got unlucky he's like it wasn't robert e lee's fault we yeah, all agree definitely. on that right uh that's a good point though that i do think burner counts big loser energy where like the haters or the people the naysayers are getting to you so much that you need to have a career fake account just to be like oh i'm like i'm not that bad it's pretty cool yeah no exactly that that comment from baz is not gonna age well on my last one (laughs) what's uh what's your last one well, Eans has one more, but if if he wants to take it before, I know actually. Um, same thing with me. That doesn't uh, really help me because I was going to say Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even, even mean it in a bad way. That's <laughs> <laughs> Jesus confirmed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big loser energy. Um, all right, so. Why? If he if, if the intentions are good and he just wants to spread uh the good word of the Lord, and I don't know, it just like comes better from uh sleeper cells like sometimes than the main account, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, he was a big like he didn't want to be the heresy, the high priest, he wanted to be the, the common man. So he's spreading his message through a bunch of burner accounts. Just called like, hey, your average yeah, Joe Rich. They could have been the disciples, yeah. But in today's age, they would have been. Oh, burnt God. This is too good. Well, okay, coming off of Jesus, uh, my last one is Paz. <laughs> As I feel like you could be a burner guy. <laughs> Hater you're of the very, year. You're very nice. You don't have much of a social media presence you like i feel like you've got a lot of positive uh energy that you let out and maybe you're like hey the way that i vent is i just have my couple burners and i just go on and just like talk smack online (laughs) (laughs) not Um, and i didn't come at it from like a loser energy perspective those are your words not mine i more think of it like a release kind of thing um yeah, that that was definitely a, a poor timing on my part. Uh, claiming the burner counts, big loser energy. Paz over here. All right. So Ben Franklin. I mean, we've already discussed about these creating potentially a library and a volunteer fire fighters club. Like he just makes things happen. One thing he gets credited for is the Pennsylvania hospital in 1751 where, you know, he, he's getting into his late thirties. Also, and this was before the Pennsylvania hospital, famously the Franklin stove. And it was a more efficient way to heat your house with a stove. And it sounded ubiquitous. Like everyone had, a stove what weber is to grills the franklin stove was to stoves and it increases popularity and notably he did not take out a patent 
So obviously Ben Franklin, a very wealthy guy, but he did not like squeeze the sponge to get every single penny he could out of uh, his inventions and investments. Also notably, uh, if anyone's seen National Treasure, he gets credited with the bifocals. But the thing that his invention or discovery that is most famous is the kite and electricity. And basically, he demonstrates that that the lightning you see in the sky is, in fact, electricity. He used a hemp and silk string and a key, which is actually attached to like the bottom of the string. And uh, the kite would get struck by lightning. And it would go down the hemp string, which when wet would conduct electricity. And then he was able to store it in a Leyden jar, which at the time they kind of stored electricity in these jars. And so the fact that they could take lightning and store it in a Leyden jar proved that lightning was in fact electricity. It was a cool little demo. He published in the papers how to do it. I heard though, I don't know if, if you guys came across something similar that he got this idea from some guy who was kind of performing this in the street as like a traveling circus kind of gimmick thing where he would fly a kite and it would uh they'd see a lightning bolt hit it and that ben franklin kind of <clears throat> you know whether he got the idea or this gimmick from this guy uh, did you guys come across that at all i personally didn't no but i'm not i'm not super surprised um in a similar vein Ben Franklin just like you just throw these things in here. He was credited with coming up with like the Gulf Stream, identifying the Gulf Stream and naming it. And supposedly people were like, well, somebody else it had already been identified kind of thing. So it's a tough thing with written history, you know, to determine like who was really first. Right. But yeah. I think Ben Franklin definitely with the kite thing, he definitely made it popular so yeah oh yeah. yeah i think even around like the same time too he is credited and i think that this is um uh fairly reliable of like founding penn university of pennsylvania like at this time too like same vein as the library um uh, just like wanting to get formal schooling which was actually he never really um had much formal schooling at all i think uh when he was an apprentice under his brother i think he had attended like two years of school before that so yeah like to uh what we said before real real self-made a lifelong learner yeah real self-made man i i like i do think he did find found uh university of pennsylvania uh so ben franklin has a lot of good ideas one of them is he basically had like house insurance for fire where, you know, just like insurance, people could put away money as a group. And then when someone's house was burned by a fire, that could uh, help them restore house as opposed to just being financially ruined, which was typically the case back then. Also, another great idea doesn't get told as much in history 
as maybe it should. <clears throat> when he was 46 years old, he invented a catheter because his brother had a catheter and uh, it was metal. And if you don't know what a catheter is, um, it's a tube that goes in a penis to help them pee, right? Am I, is, is that right? Yeah, if you don't know what a catheter is, you're lucky. <laughs> and so in today's time, catheter, I hear, very painful. Back then, they had this metal contraption in it, rigid metal tubes. I don't know how, going up a penis. Uh, it sounded very unpleasant. Ben Franklin had a slightly better solution where, like, the catheter had hinges and supposedly a lot less painful. Uh, I assume neither of you were aware of this before the research. That's correct. Correct. I try to keep my catheter research at a minimum. <laughs> yeah, I've reached my quota now talking about catheters for uh, hopefully, I don't know, maybe the better side of a decade. <laughs> yeah. Wake me up! Wake me up when I'm 80 and I'm on the and I'm on the ship from Wally, and I've got the catheter shoved up in me, and I'm just <laughs> chock full of pharmaceuticals. Uh, then we can talk about it again. But shout out to Ben Franklin. It's just a classic, like classic polymath move, just inventing something, helping people out. Guy just kind of got things done, you know. Yeah, very useful, very utilitarian. Again. Also, don't know if I'm going to put this in the pod. More just a curiosity. So, like, we have anesthesia now to, to knock people out for terrible, awful, painful stuff like this. Um, back in Ben Franklin's day, did they just, like, get blackout drunk? Like, before surgery or before, like, they had to do a catheter? Would you just, like, go out with the boys, take down, like, three barrels of whiskey? You have to imagine it's something like that. Or someone just, like, puts you in a sleeper hold real quick. <laughs> dude that's a good um, point just choke someone out yeah yeah it's definitely i think it's definitely like a blackout drunk scenario because um so this is the time ben franklin goes to england and he stays there for a long time over a decade i think 18 years to be exact but he goes to england to basically dispute over politics and who owns Philadelphia because the Penn family is kind of using Philadelphia to make themselves richer, isn't really paying taxes on the land they own. And, and Ben Franklin, um, kind of the big name in the day, especially in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania is publicly at odds with the Penn family. And so he goes to the motherland England to sort it out. Yeah. Just in the, um, in the whole timeline, one of the next things he kind of came up with was this uh, invention of this musical instrument called um, the glass harmonica, not harmonica. I actually don't know which one came first. Um, so he comes up with this glass harmonica in um, 1761. Um, it's an instrument that's kind of used like, it kind of gives off the sound as when you um, like wet your finger and you put it around um like wine glasses hmm. you know kind of that um that like ethereal kind of noise 
And so it's a very odd looking figure. It's like long and spherical and you kind of spin it and then you do the same kind of thing. You just like put a finger on it and it kind of makes these like orby, um, mystical noises. So um, he said, of all my inventions, the glass harmonica has given me the greatest personal satisfaction, uh, which I thought was interesting. So interesting thing about the glass harmonica, I'm reading about it and did you read this stuff about how like there's talks of it being banned in places and they basically said that people would go mad from playing the glass harmonica because the way that you play it works your nerves in such a way that like there was a child in Germany that died from playing it and like it's got this like mysticism about it. Wow. Yeah, I didn't get to that. Um, I saw that it was like used by Mozart and Beethoven, though. So like, you know, it's, it's pretty heavy hitters in the music industry um, that yeah. day. But yeah, I didn't read about it. It's like backlash. That's crazy. Here's, here's a quote by a German musicologist. The glass harmonica excessively stimulates the nerves plunges the player into a nagging depression and hence into the dark and melancholy mood that is apt method for slow self-annihilation you should not play it if you are suffering from any nervous disorder um if you are not yet ill you should not play it excessively and if you are feeling melancholy you should not play it or else play of uplifting pieces. So, wow. I mean, maybe that's what led to some of Beethoven's downfall. Like seriously. <laughs> maybe. Are you, yeah, are we on to something here? I I I this uh this is all news to me. This glass harmonica. First of all, yeah, he's making it big time if this is being used by like the biggest Composers. composers yeah yeah in history of music and on top of that there's this uh like it it may uh the devil may be involved here and people are going insane this is a deep conspiracy name name for the pod did ben franklin kill beethoven <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that that's wild but yeah the and wikipedia so page for it is like very um creepy almost horror film yeah i mean people don't use it nowadays and it's probably because uh bad things happened and looking at it it's pretty crazy looking it's like if we if i had to describe it i would say it's about the width of a table and it looks like just a bunch of glasses like put on top of each other and it's kind of cylindrical ch shaped yeah, it's kind of like the shape of like, like if you imagine like a cannon, you know, like kind of coming yep. out of like a warship, it kind of like looks like that. But um, mm. yeah, like blown glass. Yeah, and the, it's almost shaped like a bugle a little bit. Yeah, wild. Like the other instrument or the snack? <laughs> <laughs> I feel horrible saying this. The snack. <laughs> I was yeah, managing the snack. <laughs> yeah. I got what you, uh, yeah. I was, I was picking it up. <laughs> Sorry. We're talking Come about shaped. musical instruments. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I immediately reference a snack 
<laughs> with with a eponymous name. Wow. True. Big word. So while he's in England during this time, inventing the harmonica as made famous by Beethoven and Mozart, he, I think should be noted, very pro-England. And he actually believed the America colonies would help make England even greater. And eventually, because of the population growth and the land and the resources in America, he thought like the head, the power source of England would eventually be America. Like England's headquarters would be in America. And he was very pro-England during this time. And he's obviously in England, loving it with his son. But things on the other side of the pond are starting to turn. And particularly a big turning point is the 1765 Stamp Act. Where England puts a tax on the colonies that basically forces them to use these stamped papers from London. And it's really a... It's kind of like a power grab by England or kind of like the parent making a statement saying, hey, we can do this. We can tax you. You're still our colonies. We kind of control you. And this did not go well at all with the people in the colonies. This is kind of where the whole taxation without representation came. And a year later... England repealed the Stamp Act, but they had a declaratory right, and they said they reserve the right to, still trying to show they have the power. And the interesting thing is that the Stamp Act, England was trying to suppress and show that they are in control of America. It very much had the reverse effect, where it kind of added fuel to the fire of wanting independence. <clears throat> and so this can bring us to another segment. What are some other actions that have the reverse of the intended effect? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so Slava, what are stars off here? Okay. Uh, the first one, and I feel like we've talked about this on the pod before the Cobra, uh, the Cobra effect Paz, have we yes. talked about the Cobra effect. So for those new listeners or those who may not remember, it's basically that in India they had cobras around, like were loose in society in some cities. So they started offering to buy back cobras. Like if you brought a dead cobra, they would give you money. So people started breeding cobras to get money and it made, it exacerbated the problem quite a bit. So what we're talking about now is often called the Cobra effect for that reason. Yeah. No, that story always cracks me up where, like you said, people started breeding them to kill them and turn them in. And then they realized this wasn't going to work. So they stopped paying people for, for the dead Cobras. And now people just bred a bunch of Cobras and the problem was bigger than ever. Yeah. It's uh. Life can be funny that way. All right. One I have is um, 
people with overly aggressive political opinions or like bumper stickers like if, if you are overly aggressively posting on facebook or social media or you're shouting your idea at people and get mad at them when they don't agree with your political opinions it just makes me want to vote on the other side it <laughs> makes me want to do the exact opposite of what you're telling me to do yeah i definitely agree that nobody has ever been convinced by somebody making some sort of like holier than thou facebook post where they're like yelling at people nobody has ever read that and been like you know what great point let me uh change my views no one no yeah you're you're absolutely right in a um, in a oh go ahead Nance. no no go for it so in a similar vein to that one, I just kind of wrote down like anytime, specifically for celebrities, anytime that they're in a controversy and they come out and they try to defend themselves. <laughs> so an example is like Alec Baldwin when he shot the director of his movie and then he would just like go out and be like, oh, like so-and-so, it wasn't really my fault and yada, yada, yada. And then by doing that, like, everybody was just like, dude, it is your fault. And it like created the Streisand effect of just like bringing more attention and making people hate him even more. And it happens time and time again when celebrities do something really stupid and they come out and try to justify their actions as opposed to just apologizing and moving on. It always just makes people hate them more. Eats, you had one? Um, yeah, this was uh, kind of one that I think was thrown out before, but um, if you tell your significant other to relax uh usually doesn't go over so well yep that's a that's a no-no word don't i wouldn't uh, know though i i don't think any of us here have personally done that but um i've heard about it <laughs> I, yeah i mean for whatever it makes reason, sense it just heightens no, everything. There, there is no relaxation in the slave household we don't <laughs> relax here we escalate <laughs> So this one back to the animals. Um, do you guys know about the idea of like if you try to hunt coyotes, how if you try to kill, so say you have coyotes in an area and you're like, hey, we're going to pay you money to hunt these coyotes and kill them. Coyotes, as their population declines in the immediate term, they have like a biological sense of when they're in danger. And then they'll spread out into new areas and then populate those areas. So in the United States, they tried to, like back in the day, they tried to control the coyote population. And the act of trying to control it actually had caused coyotes to spread out across the country. And in turn become like invasive to other places where they like weren't normally found. Yeah, exactly. Dude, it's wild. that's wild. It's always the uh, the unintended consequences. They'll get you. Um, another common one, I think, is if you are a parental figure or the D.A.R.E. program and you tell kids not to do drugs, <laughs> not to do alcohol, I think it makes them wonder. I do think it's classic when in the dare program they'll be like, "This is how you, 
<laughs> there was a Chappelle show skit where they basically did that, where they were like, they were like, dare, don't do drugs. But they were like, but this is how you do drugs. And he was like, you go down, you go down under the underpass and you ask for like a Reggie. And he like, gives you like, and you make sure you offer him like $10 for a gram and like yada, yada, yada. That's how I feel like the dare program was a lot. It was bringing attention to a lot of things that I probably never would have considered as a 12 year old. Yeah. And it, I don't even think it was like 12. We were in sixth grade. We did the dare program. I remember in third grade, like no was one was gonna, trying to. Yeah. I specifically, I specifically remember um, like sitting in something in fifth grade, but yeah, I think it was even introduced before you're right. So fifth grade, you're 10 years old. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, like don't do drugs, but if you were to, here's how it's like, uh, what is it? Like, I like OJ's book is if I did it. <laughs> it's like, hey, dude, probably should have kept that one in drafts. Yeah, dude. It's like my brother in Christ. <laughs> what is a methamphetamine? <laughs> like, I literally play Game Boy. <laughs> like, I don't even yes. know what you're talking about. But they're like drugs. That's a good one. Um, the last one that I had was uh, the. Uh, a sports team it's almost a, a duo sports team here so i have two different options uh the bad news bears which is uh you tried to make the sports team as bad as you could and then they ended up winning the championship so suck on that classic the, the team that's trying to tank and then also the mighty ducks i feel like the mighty ducks the the odds were purposely stacked against them and it led them to overcome it's a lot of sports movies like that, aren't there? Uh, what's, what's the one? Um, it's one of the baseball ones, too. Uh, Major League. Is that the one with Charlie Sheen? Mm, yep, Major League. That's another one where they purposely the make Indians. the team bad. Yep, that, that is literally the plot of that movie. So that's a great example. Ted Lasso. Also, Ted Lasso a little bit. What's the prison movie where they play football? Oh, Longest it's Yard, yeah. Longest Yard, yep. Yeah. Hollywood. Classic trope. Classic trope. Um, another one I have. It's just there's a common theme here, but overly aggressive religious people. I'm sp specifically thinking of two scenarios. One, the kind of like Jehovah Witness, the people who come to your door and are like trying to convince you of something. It's just like you're coming to my door uninvited. I am now going to think very negatively of Jehovah witnesses. The other religious example is, um, <laughs> I was like, give like, <laughs> out of nowhere. It was not a reaction. To anything you said, I'm very excited for what you have to say. Okay. Okay. Have you guys, uh, I've seen this out on the streets, particularly in Halloween and college but I've seen it out in the streets. Someone is just on the corner screaming how everyone's going to go to hell, how they, we need to all mm. like find Jesus or something. And it's just like, you are not making me, you are not making religion or following whatever ideology, whatever viewpoint you come from. I want to stay clear of that. Yeah. If you're like, uh, if you're studying the marketing behind that, you're getting no conversions, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
I, I definitely agree with that. I think those are two very good examples. I'm going to get, so here's like an opposite example where I think that kind of messaging is done well. What do you, what do you all think about like the whole like Mormon, uh, the Mormon, uh, what, what is it called? It's the, it's not Pilgrimage. Day Saints. <laughs> it's the, when you do the two years. Yeah. Well, what is that called? Mission? Uh, mission. Yeah. Uh, if you run into some Mormon folks on a mission, they are very friendly and they're, they really, they pitch a good, pitch a good sale, you know? Um, like what age do you have to be typically for that? Or like, yeah. I think a lot of time it's like college age. Okay. That makes sense. The button yeah. down short sleeve shirts. <laughs> White button down short sleeve shirts. Power move. <laughs> in uh in when uh, I when I went to Birmingham, England for study abroad, literally the first day I went to go get like a power converter for my iPhone charger and ran into some LDS folks like representing just on the streets of Birmingham, England. Global. <laughs> and they were uh, a friendly face. No conversion, but you thought about it. Oh, they converted me big time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going back on the slave as a Mormon. <laughs> BYU grad, I hear. BYU grad. <laughs> Um, well, and that's okay. So, and my last thing, again, general theme here, but overly aggressive salesperson, whether it's like a car salesman, a realtor, the person who calls you on the phone. And if you're just like, tell me this is a must have deal. And you're like, oh, you're like, tell me what a great deal this is. I'm basically robbing you, yada, yada, yada you're making me very skeptical yeah you can never sell you you can't you can't sell too hard like that it never works i agree with that yeah. i also get that with like ads sometimes if you target me too hard with an ad and do it over and over and over again i will be like i actually hate your product and your company because you're annoying yeah them. i feel that. exactly it is such like a, a fine balance because like the the aggressive salesman like kind of does well in the scheme of things, but but like you can't be overly aggressive. It's a it's a tricky maybe, balance. Maybe to the people who will like give in to like fear based things though. So it's like not like Fair. a true like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. These aren't loyal converts. These are. Yeah, yeah. The. The pushy salesman, it works in like one-off sales situations. But if you're trying to establish a long-term relationship, it does not work because if you don't provide the value that justifies the sale, then people are like, oh, so you duped me. And then they don't want to work with you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any others or I'll switch it back. No, that's all I had. <clears throat> yeah. All right. And and so eventually, not too long after the Stamp Act, Ben Franklin starts to realize or starts to believe that uh, the only way for America to really prosper 
is through independence. He thinks just too many bridges have been burned and he did not believe that England was willing to compromise and give the, you know, the freedom, the independence that America wanted. And so now he becomes a separatist, uh, an agent, you know, he will become an agent of the revolutionary war. And eventually he realizes like he has to leave England or he risks risks going to jail. And so after a long time, he takes the boat back to America and he, he's at a pretty old age now in his, you know, sixties, but plays an integral part in the American revolution. He's a part of the second continental Congress helps draft the declaration of independence and I think we were talking about what makes someone a founding father or is he a founding father? I think if you, I think the rule tends to be is if you helped like declare or found the country. To, and so because he helped draft the declaration of independence, that makes him a founding father. Yeah. He was in the, I think it was called like the committee of five or something like that, who were like the people who wrote it. But he had gout yeah. at the time. I also read that too. Dude just was always having gout going on. Yeah, he had a lot of gout and health issues <clears throat> from that. Um. So yeah, but like I guess Jefferson like sent him a copy and he made some some key edits. I'm just imagining, I'm imagining Ben Franklin like bedridden with gout, being like, Ugh, and then just <laughs> making some scribbles on tubs. Jefferson's writing, but smudging some of the ink. Um, but yeah, I think uh, doing some of the quick math, he was one of the older founding fathers. He was kind of like the last one to give in. Like he was very reluctant to revolution. Um, we uh, kind of skipped over after Stamp Act was like Boston Tea Party. Yeah. Um, apparently, like when he was still living in England, he you know, thought it was, was wrong of the colonies and, um, you know, was trying to be responsible. And he was like, you guys, you guys owe the East India company for the tea, <laughs> like <laughs> pay him back. What yeah. a waste. So here's a question for you two. Do you guys think Ben Franklin, like this whole, he was in England, he was very much trying to keep everything integrated, very stuff. And then like, he was kind of the last one to jump in. Do you think he was kind of playing both sides? Absolutely. I think like um, you, uh, people kind of dramatize it in shows and stuff, but I think you could kind of hear both sides and stay a sleeper cell and then just kind of make your pick. So, so do you think like if it wasn't looking like it was going to go at that well, that we would be talking about, we would be British people right now talking about Ben Franklin and being like, he was one of the protectors of the empire. <laughs> uh, so either way, Ben Franklin's making out good in, in these scenarios. Who knows? Uh, I think he's just playing the odds. Like at first, it, the you know the colonies were a real like underdog, and then um, yeah, he yeah. kind of flip flopped. And I I was kind of wondering. Uh, and I do believe he's playing both sides and kind of playing the middleman, making everyone happy. But is there a scenario where 
this re- this war doesn't happen or this separation doesn't happen and America is just part of England today, like, do you see any scenario where Ben Franklin's original fantasy of kind of America becomes maybe the power source of England? Any way that would happen? No. Slavel's shaking his head no. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. Because the, the United States left the British Empire, but the British Empire was not allowed to hold or was not able to hold on to Australia, India, yep. Hong Kong. Like you name it, and the British Empire over time has not been able to hold on to a lot of different colonies. So I think eventually we would have, if, if, if it wasn't this, it would have been something else 60 years later kind of thing. Yeah, I think it could have been a more peaceful solution, like if it didn't happen yeah. the way it did. And I think that that's kind of what Ben Frank was trying to do was to like form a treaty situation. But yeah, who knows? Like I can see it playing out as almost like a Cold War like scenario where like both sides are kind of like um edged up and like excited but like and threatening but nothing ever happens yeah yeah i i agree with both of you that uh slavos point to the colonies england had eventually while like they held on to india for a pretty long time um eventually like with the geographical cultural differences it's going to separate <clears throat> and then like to Ains's point, it, it definitely didn't have to be the somewhat of a bloodbath that it was. Um, and so as this impending bloodbath is happening, an important role of Ben Franklin is he goes to France and he needs to get their support for the war. He needs, I mean, England, Britain, they're the bee's knees. They got the best Navy, the best army, all the money. Uh, America the underdog needs uh, support of another power, France. And Ben Franklin is over there getting just stacks of bills from France. And there's really like no other money coming into the, what will become the United States, the American colonies. They're like, they're really not cohesive. Even amongst the colonies, they don't share like a common currency. Not that that even matters, but basically their only source of income to finance this war is coming from france and and that's uh mostly ben franklin's doing he's over in france having a good time and so uh his wife dies i believe while he's in france but we touched upon it earlier at the very start of how he is a bit of a womanizer or has that reputation uh, and certainly while he was in France, <clears throat> there's a lot of love letters, a lot of rumors, and, and eventually his wife dies. And so then I guess no longer it's an affair, <laughs> but let's, let's just bring up the, uh, the was... topic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at you being like, there were a lot of love letters. There were a lot of rumors. <laughs> and then his wife died. <laughs> But go ahead, pass. Go ahead. I'm just. I mean, I just think that there's a lot to cover here. Uh, was are you tiptoeing? Are you tiptoeing right now? Are you tiptoeing <laughs> this topic? Let's uh. Well, say it. Was Ben? I mean, this is 
a few stuff, but was Ben Franklin a good looking guy? Is that why the ladies liked him? No. <laughs> we need to know his height. Makes all the difference. <laughs> but no, he's very Humpty Dumpty ish. So <laughs> no. Very he accurate. Like, he was like, if you go to his, if you were a listener and you go to his Wikipedia page, there's a whole sub paragraph category about how like in poor health he was. He was like, I imagine he didn't smell very good. I he think he must very... have destroyed himself with all his travels, you know, by boat. Can't be safe, you know, getting scurvy and gout. He looks, we people probably think he looks weird looking through his bifocals and stuff, kind of doing the up down thing. So, yeah, I don't know how, how much uh, attention he's getting from the fairish sex, but who knows? Well, I mean, uh, so I think he's he's definitely getting the attention. I I, th- I think between like the love letters, the rumors, um, I I I, I think he's like uh, he's getting the interest from the woman. I think it's but definitely not because of his looks. Um, uh, would we agree on that? Or um, I would agree. I mean, yeah, he was kind of. Did you know he wrote a letter, June? 25th 1745 he wrote a letter uh, called advice to a friend on choosing a mistress <laughs> go on and um it's basically all about like talking to a young man about like controlling his sexual urges and like how to go about that and like suggesting that he um dates older women because they're like more experienced in bed and um yeah it's like it's just a little creepy it's a little creepy the the, the womanizing stuff with Ben Franklin like it let's just say it like it kind of put a sour taste in my mouth yeah oh um and so maybe this like these on how to get a mistress and like the cravings and all that. I remember seeing one quote from him is like the best way to handle uh, like a sexual craving is to indulge yourself and then you'll forget it for a while. <laughs> I feel like that sounds familiar. Yeah. I've heard that quote. So anyways, revolution. Yep. Ben Franklin, he's bringing the money having a good time being a famous person in France and while bringing the money to support the American revolution, eventually America gains its independence. Ben Franklin goes back. He's very old at this point, late seventies. And he just, he has, um, He's president of the executive council of Pennsylvania. I kind of think of him as like a successful businessman on boards. He's very involved, but he's not too involved. Um, he's a very powerful man, but you know, he's kind of on the outskirts. And then in 1790 at the age of 84, he dies. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Yo, I, th- I think that's a great comparison of like the old guy, like board member who's like seen some shit 
It's like a, yeah. like a Warren Buffett type like comparison to now. Like you know he's knowledgeable, but like you know he's yeah, not exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did you, yeah? Did y'all know he was governor of Pennsylvania from seventeen eighty five to seventeen eighty eight? Just like sprinkle that in right. there into his biography. Governor of Pennsylvania, right before his death. Yeah. yeah. Um, any any final thoughts on Benjamin Franklin? Just a real renaissance man. A lot of, like, I feel like it's so tough. You think about jobs now and stuff and how hard it is to, like, jump if you're trying to, like, make a lateral move or something, how hard it would be, you know? Um, yeah, just a real renaissance man jumping into a lot of different uh, industries and spaces and blazing a path for himself. Yeah, I mean, just a variety of contributions. And he lived a long time and just the whole time very productive. So it's just like, it's uh, pretty incredible what he got done in his lifetime. People said it on, on that same thought, like he basically could have, uh, if you want to call it that, like retired when he was like, I think he could have lived off like the poor Richard's almanac um is what people like have speculated like money wise yeah and, and that's wild like if he just went to a beach somewhere drank rum and spent the rest of his life there would have been no you know the kite the the all the the revolutionary wars the he could have met up with uh, his wife's ex-husband <laughs> yeah, he... on the island <laughs> barbados <laughs> Um, yeah, he definitely like, it's just crazy how he did enough things to make him famous for his contributions to history, like three times over. He just kept contributing interesting things, which is crazy to think about how much he did, um, contribute to society. Did you guys see the thing about how, um, when he was often, I don't know if it was like France or England. And then he came back, but he was a hundred thousand dollars short on the amount of money that they gave him. And the they asked him about it. They were like, "Hey, so we sent you with all this money, and we're like, we're missing a hundred thousand dollars in our account." In our account, and he was basically like, "Yeah, what are you going to do about it?" <laughs> I didn't read anything about that, but that's... and then they just never brought it up again. That was how much power he had. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks for spending the time hanging out with us this morning, afternoon, midday, evening, middle of the night, whatever it may be, wherever you may be. Special thanks to Eans for uh, partaking in this pod. Thank you, guys. Love you. And I uh, love you all very much.